0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Motocross Training Podcast. Joel Yunkins here, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about some bench racing performance critiques. So, just like yourself, um, I'm a die ha- diehard fan of the sport. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, um, I followed the sport closely. Um, you know, I could probably memorize as a kid. I could memorize all the riders' numbers. Um, uh, before I could memorize my homework at school, S- but, uh, uh, <laughs> always been a fan of it. Um, fortunate enough to be able to get into coaching and, and coach with, uh, within a sport that, you know, I've been a fan of and even participated as, in you know, in racing myself. So, um, just like yourself, I am a fan. I, I dabble in a lot of different sports. I have different backgrounds and things like that, but just like yourself, I do. Um, I love the sport. Um, I'm not a outsider, I would say trying to come in and and capitalize on the sport by any means you know um, uh, I've been following the sport you know since um I think my first supercross was in ninety six someone watched at Pontiac, Michigan. uh Jeremy McGrath was my hero uh nineteen ninety five was my first outdoor national my dad took me to that was at Steel City. Um, both of those two little fun fact, both of those two races, uh, McGrath wrapped the championships up at both of those rounds. So, uh, maybe had something to do with it. Probably not, but Hey, I'd like to like to think that as a, as a McGrath fan growing up, but, uh, yeah, I was a little kid when I went to those and, um, you know, kind of went to a million supercrosses and, and things like that. So, um, with all that though, uh, comes a lot of bench racing you know, we like to sit around and talk about the sport and who's doing what and what we saw and little things like that. So different topics get brought up and, you know, there's a lot of things that we see that, you know, there's really not a lot of context behind. So normally I don't like to like professionally speak on these kind of things because one, like we'll be speaking about people that aren't my clients and I don't know, like what's the backstory, what's the context. Um, but I kind of wanted to maybe do this just as like a learning experience. So I'm not really like making judgments on, um, say the, the rider and the preparation or, or really like kind of calling anybody like doing any name calling, like saying like, Hey, this person doesn't know what they're doing. Um, I just want to take some information and kind of present it to you as like a learning experience. Again, just as if we're just sitting around bench racing This is not like a personal or professional attack. I'm just using things as examples so that, hey, we can learn from it. Again, I don't know what the added context is of any of these situations, but um, just want to put that out there. That is just learning experience only. This is based off of also my professional opinions. Other people have different professional opinions than myself. So if you were here, their explanation might be a little different than mine, but Uh, This is my podcast, so it's my thoughts. Um, So yeah, let's just uh, use a couple of these moments. I only got three of them today. Um, If if you like these kind of moments, there's um, this type of episode. We can cover more stuff in the future, but um, let's jump into it. So if you're familiar with the GNCC world, um, you'll know of a racer. His name is Stu Baylor. Uh, Stu Baylor has been in the... Uh, racing GNCCs for a really long time. I think he's kind of like a lifer in in that sport. He's not like a former moto guy who transferred to GNCC later in his career. He's been doing this since he's a kid. Fantastic rider, great competitor, um, all those things. Um, He's also kind of a polarizing figure in the sport. He kind of goes against a lot of the the norms of the sport. Um, Some of them, like as a performance coach, I can kind of – you know, disagree with them, but you know, also I don't hate when people are trying to break the norms as well. Uh, A lot of times in, in athletics, there's either certain traditions get formed and like those traditions don't get broke. So say for football, like it's a very traditional sport. So it's just like, Hey, we just do this because we've always done it. And this is what everybody does. Um, And then there's other sports where, Um, Like, say, racing, it's more of a trendier sport. It's sort of like, hey, what's the flavor of the week? What's the winner doing, um, you know, for their training? And then that becomes popular. You know, hey, Ryan Dungey's winning and he's running, so, hey, we should run. Um, You know, uh, the next champion comes along and and he's cycling, so everybody's got to start cycling. So that's more of a trendy sport, but the reality is, like, when – You know, when you're dealing with traditions or trends, not everything is, um, you know, it's really not gospel at the end of the day. So when people come in and they kind of like go against the grain a little bit, I personally kind of find that cool. Um, Doesn't mean it's always right. Just because you're going against the grain doesn't mean you're doing something right. You could just be worse. But I respect it. Everybody's their own person. And, you know, it's you don't have to be a robot and do exactly what everybody else is doing. So the learning experience, what we're going to take away from is Stu Baylor has a lot of like, if you watch videos like myself where I follow GNCCs closely a big fan of that, um, you know, realm of racing. I have a lot of clients that race GNCC. So I especially follow it closely just for that reason as well. But when you're watching like footage of the races, a lot of times you'll see Stu Baylor. He'll do things where he's like eating a big ice cream cone before the race. Um, Recently, I think I may have just saw he was eating, like, birthday cake. And, you know, it's usually either, like, at the semi. He has all his gear on. It's, like, right before. It's, like, the last-ditch effort to um, get some calories in before he races because they have three-hour races. They're long. And so what happens is, you know, I think, like, without knowing really anything about why he's choosing that, um, you know, there's probably – He's probably thinking, okay, there's a lot of carbs in ice cream and, or let's just say birthday cake. And he's getting those carbs in and he's probably like, oh, there's probably extra calories because of the the fat content that would be consumed with ice cream or cake as well. Um, Not terrible thought process, but uh, I would really, for a learning experience as a coach, I would say, let's pick a different option because the fat content isn't going to be as helpful as you think it is. Um, when you consume fat and you're digesting it, it slows down digestion in your stomach, and it really does very little for high for high performance activity. So when you're racing your dirt bike, whether it's GNCC, motocross, or supercross, um, your heart rate is not very low. It's high, it is a stressful sport, and you're going to need to rely on carbohydrates which is a good thing, um, to, to get you through the race and, um, the fat from the dairy of the ice cream and from cake would not be a great option for that. It's going to, like I said, delay digestion and it's going to, um, really not convert to energy as fast as you need it to. Um, it's just kind of like putting unleaded fuel into a race car and expecting it to run really good. So I would pick different options. Um, You know, sports drinks are good. And another thing too, like with it, well, ice cream is going to digest a little easier, but you kind of like rule of thumb is you want to avoid really solid foods right before the races. Like I know like right now, the trend I guess in quad racing is um, a lot of quad racers are downing Um, like those gel packs right at the starting line, right before they go, uh, that would be okay. I don't think you need to like time it up, like right before your flag waves as your rows, like sitting on the starting line. I think that's like a little dramatic, but like things like gels, fluids, like those are proper before, um, like right before the race, because you're going to, um, you know, like you don't want solid foods that are going to take time to digest. It's going to get in your system faster. That's why, like, if you're in a GNCC race, you have a hydration pack, not like a candy bar you throw in your mouth, or you're not doing handoffs with food. Yeah, it's easier to drink, but you're not going to be able to like take that food in, digest it, break it all down, then use it for energy. Um, it's going to be just too hard on your stomach. You don't have enough blood and blood like surrounded in your organs to make your stomach work. All that blood's going to be like in your legs your arms um, pumping through your heart. So you don't have that kind of like blood supply in your gut to digest that food. So that could be another thing. And also like you have to keep in context, the situation. And again, this is without knowing anything else. There's two factors that also could be in play of why this could work for Stu and why he likes to do it. Uh, Number one is he may just have like, um, like kind of like a stomach of steel, some people are like that. They could eat a whole pizza and then go work out. I myself were not like that. I also don't know too many people that are, but there are people that can literally just eat whatever and then do whatever it does not bother him or them. That may be the case for Stu. Obviously, it's not bothering him if he's still doing it late into his career. Um, also, the, the other big factor is like it's – so if, you ha- if he's doing something that's not bothering him um, – It's also the fact of like he's just a really good rider, so he could potentially be getting away with like, hey, like I don't I'm feeling up, but I'm also not feeling up like. Let's just say properly. So he could just get away with it because he's so good as a racer that he's getting away with these with these things Um, to where, hey, is there better options? Probably. Um, Like I said, there could be a different approach you could take, but. Um, someone like him, you know, he's going to get away with it. It's going to be okay for him. Probably not the best, but, um, he's making it work. The main point is though, I'm not sitting here saying Stu Baylor's wrong and, and I'm right, but that approach he's doing, there's a high likelihood that it's not going to work for you and you may have find better options. Um, so just cause you see Stu Baylor doing it doesn't mean like, Hey, I should be eating ice cream or birthday cake. Um, you know, right before my race. So take that for what it is. And, um, you know, again, I don't know what all the context is of there of why he would do that. I'm just sitting here bench racing and speculating and giving you my professional opinion from the information that is presented to me in front of my face. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. And this one's going to be about Austin Fortner and, back when he was healthy and winning a couple years ago, I want to say like around 2019, I believe this was, um, we all seen that he was eating Pixie sticks after his main events. I don't know if it was the main events or heat races, but um, everyone's like, oh my gosh, why is Austin Forkner eating Pixie sticks?" So basically, and he kind of mentioned this a little bit too, I believe. um, I haven't seen this uh, content since it came out, so some of this might be a little... Foggy for me, but you know the just His gist was was like, hey, you need carbs, simple sugars after you race for your recovery, and he likes to use his pixie sticks right after the race, and you would see him on his bike like with his helmet off and he's down on a pixie stick. So this is I really are along the same lines of drinking a sports drink right after. Uh, the pixie sticks powder, um, it's probably going to digest really easily. It's probably going to A lot of it might just digest right through, like, the glands in your mouth. That goes right to your stomach. Not a terrible option. Um, He's 100% right when you come off the track to help jumpstart recovery. You want to put carbs into your system, especially after high-intensity activity, like a supercross race. Um, It's just sort of like a juvenile way. It's like an item to to pick, to be honest. Like, most uh, adults aren't eating pixie sticks, like I think – if you've ever had a pixie stick, um, it's just like them little tubes of sugar and you crack open. It was like stuff you ate like on the school bus as like a little kid in elementary school. Um, so a lot of people just don't, aren't going to use a pixie stick to recover. Um, you know, so the, the theory behind it, totally accurate. Um, and keep in mind too, like why carbs are also important is cause like, um, when you digest carbs, it helps slow down cortisol in your body. So when you come off the track and your cortisol is high, like just cause you know, the race is over your body doesn't necessarily know the race is over. So if you come off the track and your body's still like in that race mode, which would be fight or flight mode, your cortisol levels is really high and your body's still going to think it's in the race, even though you know, emotionally it's not. So when you take in carbs like that, that will help slow cortisol down and help because when your cortisol levels are high, You're not in a recovery state. So you need to kind of like tell the body like, hey, we're good. Carbs are in cortisol comes down and that will allow your body to start recovering as well as just replacing the sugar you just lost as well um, from competition. Um, So that's that one. Uh, The science was right. The approach was, you know, right. I don't really have a problem with it. It's just it was funny that it was a pixie stick and not like a sports drink like most people would see drinking. Um, and also, yeah, the powder, like I said, it's, it's easy. It would be easier to to digest than say like a candy bar that would be solid and it would take time to digest, um, or like an energy bar with a lot of carbs, um, would probably be a better example, but, um, yeah, moving on, we'll talk. The last one we'll do for this episode, just so we don't keep going on time here, um, was there's a story. I, I might've mentioned this on a podcast a long time ago, but there was, um, a story I heard on gypsy tales and they're talking about the Martin brothers, Jeremy and Alex Martin. Um, after the, the Millville national, they were staying there cause that's their family's, uh, home track. They like live right there. So I guess a bunch of racers like hung out with the Martin brothers. Like they stayed the day after and the Martin brothers like did some sort of like crazy mountain bike. Um, like either they cycled the track or there's mountain bike trails around the property that they did. And I guess it was like some really grueling mountain bike workout. They did like the day after it was on the Sunday and a bunch of riders like just kind of did it because they didn't want to like seem soft or like they were like, they couldn't keep up like, you know, it became a big ego contest. Um, And then I think after they maybe rode their dirt bikes again or I don't know, just whatever it was like, it was um, it was really excessive. Like it sounded like they did more work the day after the race than they did of the race. Um again, I don't know the context of the whole situation of why they did that. Um my professional opinion of that, if you're just sitting there with that information that I have as well, um that's not something you want to probably do as a racer. Um if you have that much energy the day after the race, my question will first would be, you know, hey, like you're you have this much energy to expend the day after um, did you really push that hard the day before? Or because you want to, like, think of, like, when you're racing, you want to think, hey, let's empty the gas tank. That's the time to, like, put it all on the table and give everything you have. Um, because after the race, like, the race is what is what matters. That's what you get paid for. Those are your points. Um, leave it all on the track is what I tell my racers. We'll deal with the recovery after. So if you actually, like – you know, unless like you're someone who's like, you know, for lack of a better term, super fit that can recover really fast. Like, that's awesome. But, um, you know, you shouldn't really be putting in your like this huge amount of work the day after your race. Um, you know, like the, the race itself, it should actually be the most stressful component of like the f- most stressful day of your week because there's this high level of emotional stress. You may ride a little less so they might have actually a little bit less seat time at a race depending on what style of racing you're in but most often than not like you may actually have less time but because of the intensity and the, com- like the competition of nature of the sport um, it adds a lot of emotional stress um, to that which you can't replicate anywhere else so the idea of just like going out, like if you want to do a hard workout just to get blood flow the next day, but by doing high intensity and high volume training the day after your uh, workout, almost always is probably not going to be a good idea. Um, it's also a good way to probably get hurt to at least increase your risk. Cause assuming you are recovering from the race the day before, you don't want to do high volume, high intensity work, especially together. Um, you know, because if you're in a fatigued state, it's easier to get hurt that way, um, on your bike. Um, can you also hurt, uh, damage, um, you know, like things like your muscles or have strains and things like that come. Absolutely. Especially if you're not like completely recovered or have all of like your glycogen stores, um, replenished. Uh, so a lot can kind of go wrong with that. Um, honestly, it's like, I also look at it too as like, Hey, if you're doing that all the time and like, that's like a badge of honor. Um, I, I'm really not like, as a coach, I'm not really impressed by that, but like we're training so that you can perform really well on race day. I don't care what you can do the day after your race. Um, you know, nobody's paying you to do that. You don't get points paid out the day after the race. Um, so some people might be like, yeah, that's really awesome. And uh, and honestly, if they are doing that, that is impressive as far as like a physical feat or like just their mentality that's driven to go and, and, and work that hard the day after the race because they, for whatever reason, they thought they had to do that, whether it's just like, hey, there were some people staying there and it was an ego thing where they're like, yeah, you think you guys are training hard? You should see the way we train the day after the race and just kind of like. Play mental games with people. I don't really know the context of the situation why they did that, but, um, just so you don't get confused. That's not something that's one normal one. Nobody really recommends that. And if anything, you want to start recovering for the next race, um, how it was described on gypsy Tales, If that's really how it all went down. Um, it did not sound anything like recovery work. It sounded like it was harder on Sunday than it was Saturday. So, um, that's that. Um just three examples. There's are just three that kind of popped in my head kind of right away. If I think of some more examples, or if you want me to cover like anything else that you've seen, like um, you know, sort of some insight of these different snapshots of people's approaches and you want me to break them down further. Um, we could do more episodes like this. Um like I said, I don't want to do these episodes and act like I know exactly why they're choosing to do all these options. I'm just looking at at these things like, hey, I'm a fan just like you. We're sitting around talking, and you're just asking me my professional opinion based off of the information that's presented to us. Um, so hopefully, you learned some stuff from that today. Um, hopefully, that was cool. And yeah, we'll see you in the next episode.